Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Well, the internet is out in my area. So I called. I think, of course, I get the automated. What is your zip code? I'm sorry, we can't find that number at the zip code. What's your account number or your phone number? I give my phone number. I love your phone number. I give you my phone number. <laughs> the automated world. AI's taking over. Sure it is. <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> so finally, so finally after the rigmarole, and it was a rigmarole, let, and I always love that. Let me look up your account, and then it makes it sound like it's typing. And of course, it's just the sound effect. Right? There's an outage in your area. Well, no kidding. Really? I didn't know. <laughs> it will be resolved by three thirty. Excuse me, the show's over before three <laughs> thirty. Under the old format, we would we could have made the last 90 minutes. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Uh, Matt uh, did not get a chance to answer whether the Yankee pitching rotation is fine for October. You ever get a, I never got a response to that. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! Is Rondon going tonight? No. Uh, yeah, that'd be a no. So this didn't work out so well? So you have $279 million in payroll. And nobody got fired? F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells FAULDA! What have under? I'm just at. I'm just asking for a friend. What have under my watch? Oh, under your watch, <laughs> that'd be fired every two months. <laughs> under your watch. <laughs> I am kind of like a mini George Steinbrenner. Oh my goodness! I mean, Roger's glad that Roger's glad that uh, you're not George because. Right, you. I mean, he may own it. You'd try to fire him. <laughs> Bingo! I can see it now. You're out. I own the place. You're out. I own the place. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so. Let's talk about the Phillies Braves thing first of all. This is a this is one of the problems in a series like this. When you face a team that has that kind of firepower, that has five guys that hit thirty home runs or more, you feel like every time you're facing somebody in that lineup you're you're playing with fire. 
And Zach Wheeler was brilliant getting through that lineup, which is no surprise because I think Zach Wheeler is a really good pitcher. And they built a 4 nothing lead. And then Darno, former Philly, uh, hits the three-run homer. Or he said it was a two-run homer, I think. It was 4-1 to one at the time. So he hits a two-run homer. And you just felt like that was the spark. Like the Turner error that got Acuna in broke the log jam with the two-run home. The, the home run by Darno was like, oh, now it's, now it's a game. The Riley home run, you could tell not even Brian Anderson was sure it was going to be a home run, but that thing was that cleared by a pretty good margin. He hit that with one hand and cleared it. And see, that's the problem when you're dealing with an explosive lineup like that. You feel like every single pitch has to be in the location you need it to be because if you make a mistake, it's the kind of lineup that makes you pay for that mistake. So what we've had is this. The Phillies beat the Braves' ace. Now, even though he wasn't the losing pitcher, because Zach Wheeler was not the losing pitcher, you feel like the Braves have now beaten the Phillies' ace. So essentially, you're where you thought you might be after two games. That's 1-1. And now you go back to Philadelphia. I'll say this about Philadelphia. There's playoff baseball, and then there is... Philadelphia playoff baseball. There is something about Philadelphia and the baseball playoffs where it feels like it's an event. And it's different. You you know, you add a lot of emotion in Baltimore. You had a lot of you're gonna have a lot of emotion in Texas. You're gonna have a lot of emotion in Phoenix. But there's something about Philadelphia where they've taken the baseball playoffs and then made the games into events. Everybody gets down to Ashburn Alley. They get their food before the game, and then it's deserted after that. Nobody leaves their seats. And they create an emotion and an atmosphere that really can't be duplicated anyplace else. You know, that wine and cheese crowd in New York that you've got. I mean, it's, you know. Let's face it. Your fans kind of excel in anger. I noticed that. Oh, my almighty! But, like, being happy, you guys don't like, you you guys don't seem to enjoy happiness. The Philadelphia fans seem to at least enjoy happiness. And that's what you've got it. And... I'm not so sure I want to duplicate seeing Strider again in Game 5 in Atlanta. I feel at that point you're playing with fire. And that's what I feel like it is with this lineup. Now, there are parts of the lineup of the Phillies you feel that way. You know, when you're dealing with fire, when you're dealing with Schwarber, when you're dealing with Harper, when you're dealing with Real Muto. But, man, they have two other guys like that that have 30-plus home runs. And that's what makes them a tough, tough out to get. To have gone that many innings scoreless against that lineup 
is incredibly impressive. And they got to the bullpen last night. And let's give the Braves bullpen credit. That the Braves bullpen did a pretty good job last night. Now, as for the last play, and I know it's going to end up being our play, play-by-play call of the day, Harper doesn't do anything wrong in that play. He does nothing wrong. Okay, The ball has hit the deep center field. What's Harper trying to do? Bryce Harper is trying to score the tying run. And if Riley doesn't make that great play backing up to then throw to first, Harper gets back. And it just was, you know, and the game ended the way the game was played. It took a spectacular play at the end to finally end it. And it had to be an emotional blow for the Phillies when you're up four nothing, and you've got you you have your best guy out there, and you feel like you're as close to being in control as you can be, and then to suddenly lose control—that hurts. Now look at the other series: Baltimore, two games at home; Texas won them both; Dodgers, two games at home. Arizona won them both. Now, Minnesota and Houston won one going back to Target. Uh, We're going to play this afternoon um, at Target Field. Maybe the Penn State basketball players can go over there and watch it today. Today's basketball media day at Target Center. Uh, But it is – Scott Lauber, I thought, made a great point in the interview you just heard, uh, and the one that we did yesterday. He made a great point. And the point he made was that the week off doesn't really benefit baseball players the way it does people in other sports, especially football. Football is a week-by-week basis, and then you finally get everybody gets a bye week in the NFL. Everybody gets a bye week in college football. Okay, so you got to deal with a bye week, but you know, uh, you know, you can, you know, you still like Penn State still practiced last week during the bye week, but in baseball, where are the bye weeks? Right, unless it's the Yankees lineup, there seems to be guys that like um, the guy at the end complaining about the record is the guy that was out for two months, right? Am I wrong about that, Captain All Rise? Like, this is unacceptable. Excuse me, you were out two months. Where the heck were you? Um, But baseball, okay, for the most part, guys play. There's no load management in baseball, really. I mean, it's subtly done. You know, if 162 games, you've got guys playing between 145 and 155 games, and some of those games, a couple of those guys will DH to stay in there. That's almost like their way of load management. But they play all the time. Getting a week off, and Scott's right about this, is not how they do things in baseball. And he mentioned how the Braves, you know, they took time off last year and they felt, well, we have to change it. So now they decided they were going to bring their minor leaguers over, have their minor leaguers involved, you know, play simulated games at six o'clock in the evening, which is the same time the games are being played with the Phillies and the and the uh, and the uh, Braves. Okay, so you know, 
And that's what they decided to do this time. And in game one, it didn't work. In game one, it didn't work. Because baseball players aren't used to this kind of time off. So the Orioles lose the first two games. They were off. Meanwhile, the Rangers were down in Tampa winning. The Dodgers were off. Meanwhile, Arizona was in Milwaukee winning. And it's interesting how it's played out that you want to win and give yourself fewer wins needed to win the whole thing. So instead of needing 13 wins to win the championship, you need 11. That's what you're fighting for. But that time off in between, sometimes you're, you're wondering, based on baseball players playing almost every day, unless you're Aaron Judge. No, did I get that wrong? No. He's your guy? Always! Yeah, well, unfortunately for you, for two months, he didn't get up out of his chair. All right, so we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Your guy knows there's 162 games in the year, right? Supposedly. Yeah. Would you fire him? He came close to it last year. <laughs> uh, there are teaching moments in everything, you know, whether you're a coach or a teacher, and you have to take advantage of them. And, of course, over the weekend with the Miami-Georgia Tech game, it reinforced a teaching moment for all coaches about, look, just get the win and get the heck out of there. Take the knee and go. And you, uh, James Franklin shows his team examples all the time of winning and losing football. And for a coach, there are teaching moments as well. And I know when I'm, when I'm talking with my class, there are teaching moments. Rodney Harrison, for example, gave my class a teaching moment last week. And, you know, and you have to take advantage of that. And Mario Cristobal has given every coach in the country a teaching moment. Um, now, Matt's teaching moment is, like, like, you can't overreact and fire everybody. <laughs> it's a teaching moment. <laughs> Back next half hour. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to be with you doing the show on the phone today because my automated reply from Xfinity said that. We should be restored on our internet by 3:30. I was going to discuss this further, but then realized it was AI, and the ability to break through was a long shot. 
let me check on your service. And then they do the old fake. It sounds like they're checking. Like, yeah, sure you are. <laughs> Get the lingerie <laughs> yeah. on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> These people all act like we're idiots. They're sitting there going, look, just tell me how long this stupid thing's that way. Uh, but I'm sure they saved a lot of money putting that automated system. What is your zip code? So I tell them, I'm sorry, we don't have an address at that zip code. Well, I didn't give you the address yet, you idiot. <laughs> you didn't ask for that part. You asked me what my zip code was. <laughs> you go through this stuff every time with them. What's your phone number or your account number? Yeah, I'm going to remember my, like, 500-digit account number. <laughs> sure. Uh, is this correct? Sure. Is this correct? Sure. Do you know Matt Cottrello? No. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! I got all the answers right. <laughs> Time now for our play-by-play -play call of the day. A tough ending for the Phillies. It's a 2-2. Castellanos in the air to right center field. Harris is on the run. Harris at the track. He leaps, and he makes the catch. Harper might be doubled up. The throw gets away. The throw to first. It's over. Harper never tagged. He couldn't get back, and it's a double up to end game two. Wow. How about that? Brian Anderson with a call on TBS. The series tied at one. It really was a tough final four innings for the Phillies last night. They really had control of what was going on. It felt like the first 14 innings of the series, first 14 innings of the series, they had the Braves right where they wanted them. Now it's 1-1 going back to Philadelphia. Now, if you were to ask ahead of time, if you could get a split in Atlanta, would you take it? The Phillies all would have said they would take it. But, geez, when you win the first one and you're winning 4 nothing in the second one, you feel like one got away. You feel like one got away. I feel like the winner of Game 3 tomorrow is going to win this series. Could. I mean, again, it's all about matchups um, in – yeah, I'm not even sure who would pitch game four for each team, to be honest with you. You know, what do you do with Ranger Suarez? Do you bring him back? That'd be I my mean, guess, I, I if he know. would go for game four. And so I'm not sure what they want to do. You also manage differently at this time of the year, which let's, let's go back to what Scott Lobber said yesterday. And I've actually, I was the one that said this. I said, anytime somebody tells you, oh, it's just like the regular season. I mean, I, I always ask myself, are you trying to convince me or you? Right? It's, you can tell the ones that, like, understand, like, okay, it's the postseason, but hey, you know what? You know, if I change my approach, it's bad. The managers are the ones that approach above all. They are so quick with hooks on pitchers. And I thought Rob Thompson did the right thing, leaving Zach Wheeler in. Yeah, did he give up the home run? Sure. But he did the right thing leaving him in. Now, I'm going to trust him more than I trust somebody else. I felt like in game one, he got away with an early move. Like, you're going to make the move now? It's interesting when, when people talk about, oh, it's just like the regular season. you got to treat it that way, the whole thing. 
Now, and we all know it's not, but the managers don't manage that way. And what's happened is that you have people either in the media or on the internet that criticize the lack of a move. They don't usually criticize moves, they criticize the lack of a move. And I, I think it's affected how, how people manage games. We watched Kevin Cash with Blake Snell take him out in the World Series. We've watched Dave Roberts take guys out. And, I mean, he's going along, uh, who's the better? Rich Hill. Rich Hill's pick, pitching a brilliant game in the World Series. Brilliant. Like, I'm talking like untouchable brilliant. Took him out. Like, and they lost. I'm thinking, what did you take him out for? Like, at least let him get into trouble first. To show that maybe the wheels are coming off the wagon. But, like, we see stuff like that all the time now in postseason where guys are quick hooks. And, well, you have to manage differently in the postseason. Well, to a point you do. But, like, you know, I'm the Twins manager, and I got Pablo Lopez out there. They're hitting 249 off of Lopez the first time through the order, 238 off him the second time they go through, and 229 against him the third time they go through. I'm taking him out? Really? Because why? Because analytics says I have to? Because Twitter says I have to? Or do I have to, you know, you've got to trust your own gut on these things. You can't manage by panic. I, I was Thompson, I felt like it worked out, but I was surprised he made the move in game one he did. I really was. Now, he knows Ranger Suarez exponentially better than I ever would. And he's done a great job of guiding the Phillies into the playoffs the last two years and getting playoff wins. So he knows what he's doing. But it, that did surprise me. Leaving Wheeler in, I thought was the right move. Leaving Wheeler in, I thought was the right move. I mean, how'd you feel when uh, when Boone left uh, Rondon in? Oh wait, you got you got not playing, are you? No, señor! No, señor! No, señor! <laughs> it's your guy. <laughs> He's got to lose the stash that, next year. Who does? Oh, Rondon. <laughs> yeah, they got to keep him. I, I I don't know. I'm gonna I, I I'm gonna lean on saying that they should move on, but I don't know if they're gonna be able to. Hmm. All right. So, um, so by the way, Golf Digest: the 25 greatest collegiate golf courses in the country. Okay, 25 greatest collegiate golf courses in the country. Yale was number one. Taconic at Williams College. These are all places that, okay, University of Michigan. Okay. They park cars on that course. <laughs> During football games, they park cars Alistair McKenzie and Perry Maxwell, who designed it, roll over in their grave every seven Saturdays a year. The Scarlet Course at Ohio State, 
I'm playing there in May, by the way. The foul course at Indiana was number five. I played there last May. I shot, I broke 100. I shot 99 out of it. 7,908 yards. Ooh, that's a big one. Par 71. So I'm playing with Eric Sewer. I was with, so the first day I was with um, Mike Grimm, the Minnesota play-by-play guy, uh, Brian Bush, the Michigan play-by-play guy, Eric Soar, the color analyst for Indiana, and Gary Dolphin, the play-by-play guy at Indiana, or excuse me, at uh, Iowa. And we played Bloomington Country Club. The second day, we play the foul course, and it's Brian Bush of Michigan, Paul Keels of Ohio State, um, Eric Soar, and and me. So Soar goes out. It's a par 71. Get this. He shot 70 on that course. I'm talking, he made no mistakes. It was unbelievable watching him play that course. Number six is the Pete Dye River course at Virginia Tech and Radford, Virginia. The Stanford golf course is seventh. Washington State's golf course, the Palouse Ridge Golf Club. You shot 62 there, didn't you? No? University Ridge at the University of Wisconsin. There's a lot of Big Ten ones here. Suwannee in Suwannee, Texas, in Suwannee, Tennessee. The Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame is 11. Birdwood at the University of Virginia is 12. Okay. The Jimmy Austin Golf Club at Oklahoma is 13. Now, this is a beautiful course. The Pete Dye Course at Purdue, wow. I mean, it's got all the Pete Dye, you know, everything you can think of. It kind of looks like a uh, like sawgrass in some ways. The Burke Boilermaker, beautiful course. Uh, golf course at Navy uh, in Annapolis. Um, Colbert Hills at Kansas State in Manhattan. Duke's golf course is 17. The Orchards at Mount Holyoke College in South Hadley. Beautiful course, by the way. South Hadley's halfway between, well, it's uh, maybe about mm, 20 miles north of Enfield where I grew up. The Rawls Golf Course at Texas Tech. The Radrick Farms Golf Course at the University of Michigan. Now, that, you know, the funny thing is, I've never seen that one. I've never, you know, the main one I see all the time, but I've never been to that one. The, the, the McKenzie one, I've, you know, I've been at. Um, University of Louisville Golf, if they, the Meadows at Grand Valley, which is in Allendale, Michigan. I have no idea where that is. I guess it's Grand Valley State. The Brick Boiler Golf Course at Purdue. That's also, that's another Pete Dye. Uh, I mean, he's done both courses there. This one is the one that's closer to the football stadium. Burke Boilermaker is a little further out, and I, I, I love both of them. Great courses. And uh, the Seven Oaks at Colgate in beautiful Hamilton, New York. Those are the top 25 college golf courses in the country. Um, so there you are. 
And you want to know who did the rankings on the uh, collegiate golf courses? Take a guess. Who did the rankings on them? I'll say uh, Paul Feinbaum. No, actually, it was the uh, Yankees. Uh, <laughs> there we go. I set you up. That was perfect. <laughs> Playing a lot of golf lately, buddy. <laughs> Always. A lot of payroll out there hitting golf balls. Yep, that's true. <laughs> Let's go hit some golf balls. That'd be great. You know, want to play baseball? Nah, we don't do that. All right. So, yeah, I was talking before the top about lessons learned. And it's amazing that Mario Cristobal has had two of these uh, incidents that have now happened where late in the game they ran the ball, fumbled the ball when they should have been taking these. The other one was at Oregon. When they were playing Stanford, Stanford recovered, Stanford scored a touchdown, forced overtime, and overtime Stanford won. Of anybody, you would think that they would be the ones that would sit there and say, okay, um, you know, we know what to do in this situation. And they acted like, no. And you, you try to pick up something. There's something that happens in a weekend in a game. Whereas a coaching staff, you sit down and say, you know, we got to take a look at this. So let's let's give you an example. Let's go way back in the time machine here, and that would be the kick six. Alabama lines up for a fifty-seven yard field goal. Obviously, what you you know, what does Alabama have on the field, Matt? They have big guys blocking, right? Because you're kicking a field goal. Correct. They put Davis back, which was a great move by Gus Malzahn. Great move. He then takes it, runs it back 109 yards. Every coach across the country took that and looked at it from two parts. One, putting somebody back to get the, get the kick. And putting somebody back to get the kick. What most teams do is they put a defensive back back there against the Why? The Eagles push play or, or Aaron Judge, you don't know. Because you're still playing it as if the possibility there's a fake and they need somebody out there that can tackle. But they also want somebody back there that can catch it and can run with it. All right? So now let's flip it to the other side. You still need big people out there blocking on the field goal. All right? But obviously the two guys that you have in the wings not only have to be good blockers, but at the same time they're the most mobile guys. They're actually eligible at the line of scrimmage. And you've got to be able to teach your guys to get down the field in a, in a way that can stop this play from happening. All right, Get to a certain point and force said runner one way or the other and into guys that can make tackles. And that's where um, you take something like that and you 
then learn from it. It didn't affect you. You weren't involved in the game, but you're like you're looking at it saying, we got to do something about this because we may have to defend it. Okay, so since we may have to defend it, we have to we have to do this. Well, that now it comes down. Here's the big teaching moment again: Miami, Georgia Tech. And Miami doesn't take a knee. You know darn well, no matter what the circumstance is, every coach in America now is going to take a knee. Every one of them. And that, you know, and, and teaching moments come in all sorts of ways. You know, there are guys that have been thrown out of games because they did something. You don't think every coach in the country isn't showing their kids that, hey, look, you can't do this. You've got to stay away from it. So you're constantly looking for these teaching moments. I know I do that all the time in my class. I'll give you, you know, I talked about the Rodney Harrison teaching moment. Okay. But, for example, the last project that the young people had to do was play-by-play. And, you know, just in personal experience, you can get a teaching moment. So I'll give you a team. Uh, Penn State won a game over Illinois 38-33. to and that was the one where Dick Girardi made the joke in the postgame show, hey, when does the second half start? But I tell them, I said, you know, even though the game is going along and it then starts to become like there's 10 minutes left and they're only in the 20s, I mean, this is kind of a joke, right? I said, but you can't treat it that way because with five minutes to go in the game as the play-by-play announcer, winning or losing comes into play. Does it matter if it's 98-93 or 38-33? It doesn't matter. It's Right now, it's a five-point game. Suddenly, the game is, like, say it's 31-30. There's five minutes to go. What's the difference between 31-30 and 91-90? Nothing. They're both one-point games. I said, so now the margin of the game comes into play because winning or losing comes into play. And I said, as a broadcaster, that's how you have to deal with it. So you can take any moment and make it a teaching moment to get people to think or at least consider elements in a certain way. Coaches have to do the same thing. We've tried to have teaching moments with Matt, but he's very stubborn. And every time you try to teach Matt, he tries to get you fired. We'll come back with more in a moment here on this radio 1070 WKOK. Bingo! We told you when the Penn State basketball schedule came out that there was a game missing and the game would eventually be put on there. They finally, you know release what, you know, what, to be honest with you, already knew. They're going to play Georgia Tech, but instead of playing them in Atlanta, they're going to play them at Madison Square Garden in New York as part of a triple header on Saturday, December 16th. In fact, the second game is going to be St. John's, Rick Pitino, and Fordham, Keith Ergo will be the second game. Third game will be a women's game between St. John's and four. It's triple header at the Garden on Saturday the 16th. Matt's already given me a list of uh, items he would like me to pick up over at the various toy stores in Manhattan. Wait till I tell him about the price. Wait wait till I tell him about the prices and you will back off on that. You'll be back at Toys R Us in no time. 
I just love going on the Ferris wheel there. What, at Coney Island? No, in Toys R Us in the store. Isn't that still there? You go on a Ferris wheel? This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Well, we've had a extremely What is your problem? Is it your internet, your phone, your cable? Now, I wanted to answer one of two things, either all the above or you. (laughs) Who's the problem? Xfinity's the problem, not me. I wonder if I'm going to get any money back from this day. (laughs) Yeah, especially during this time slot. Like, this is kind of getting old a little bit. This is the second time it's happened. The last time they were working on stuff. This time, I'm not sure what's going on. Well, obviously, I have no idea what's going on this time. This time, the first time I found out, we're working on helping out your area. Well, what, it lasted six weeks? (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, it's probably the weather. It's sunny out, no breeze. Yeah. (laughs) Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Am I missing something here? <laughs> oh, I just love the automated thing. We're all going AI. What is your problem? You. <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> of course you don't. <laughs> uh, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors here, which 11 to 15, almost wharf online. SunburyMotors.com. Ford Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the all-important Sunbury Motors guarantee. Terrific service department that backs everything up every step of the way. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, almost open online at sunburymotors.com. Oh, the FedEx truck is going by. (laughs) Maybe if we're really effective, the FedEx truck won't come back until tomorrow because they're scared of you. (laughs) Why don't you send the dog to Xfinity to get them going here, get this fixed? No offense, but this dog wouldn't drive anybody away. (laughs) Oh, my almighty! Now, it barks enough where you think it could be a problem, but it's no, it's no problem. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, it'll bark again when the FedEx truck comes back, right? And then it'll feel like as it goes further away that it accomplished something. Right? It's kind of like Aaron Boone after a narrow loss. No. No God! No God! No God! Uh, and there goes.
was a FedEx truck on the way by. Hey, you go. Hey, there you go. All right, on cue. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'll clarify that they park cars on the golf course in Michigan, which I think is personally, I think is a beautiful course. Love that course. Uh, they park them in the rough. Okay, they don't park them on the fairways or the greens or the tees, but they do park cars in the rough. I'm like, okay, like how do you get them there? Um, as I walked the course, I don't, you know, I, I didn't ask that question. I just was trying to make sure that I found my ball. Uh, but no, interesting. Uh, now back to basketball. They're in Minneapolis today. Big Ten Media Days. Uh, Penn State sent ace ball win Kanye Clary Puff Johnson and of course that coach Mike Rhodes it's in Minneapolis because that is where the Big Ten tournament is going to be at the Target Center uh, I think I mentioned earlier that it's really interesting that uh, they're at the Target Center and the Twins are playing today against the Astros well the Target Center and Target Field are right next to each other separated by Target Plaza, which is really nice. It's really that it's, it's a beautiful ballpark in a really nice area of the city. Um, and so in the Big Ten tournament will be at the Target Center, the home of the T-Wolves uh, in March for the first time ever. It's going to be there next year as well. They did make, I told you when the Penn State basketball schedule came out that there would be a 31st game. Right? Uh, I said, but they were still working on it. And, you know, let's face it, I knew it was going to be Georgia Tech, and I knew it was going to be Madison Square Garden. They just hadn't, like, solidified the contract yet. The game originally was going to be on Sunday, December 17th, as part of Hoops Giving down in Atlanta. And they were going to play the game in the State Farm Center, which is the home of the Atlanta Hawks, which is across the street from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. In fact, the arena is attached to CNN Center, okay. And I, you know, and I've been in, I've, I've been in there before. Uh, and they're going to play there, and our guys are great. They're all happy with it. It's going to be great. And the promoter decided that they wanted to move the game to the G League Arena. Well, our guys said no. Our guys said we're not doing that. So they were able to work it in, get to Madison Square Garden. They're going to play Georgia Tech still, but it's going to be a Madison Square Garden. But because Mariah Carey is in Madison Square Garden on the 17th of December, this game is going to be played on the 16th at noon on a Saturday. It's going to be part of a triple header. The second game, Keith Ergo and Fordham. Keith had a terrific year last year, so thrilled for Keith. And Rick Pitino and St. John's. The second game, and then Fordham and St. John's are playing a women's game in the, the last game of the triple header. So it's going to be on Saturday the 16th of December. And uh, uh, the one interesting, the one area they're having trouble with right now, trying to make sure what, what hotel they can be in. Because it's a week before Christmas. So a lot of people are coming into New York City for Christmas, plus some of the other hotels are being used for other reasons. I don't think we need to get into it. I think everybody knows what I mean. So but but they're gonna play in the garden, which is great. And that'll be great. Get back in this time Penn State winning the NIT in twenty eighteen. 
when they beat Utah. In fact, they dominated the whole thing. They 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 took out Mississippi State by 24 points, and then easily beat Utah. Uh, in 2018 to win the NIT. This is after he made a great run to the semifinals in the Big Ten tournament before they lost to Purdue. Uh, so they played, what, five games in the Garden just that month? Well, it's the first time they played there since then, and uh, it'll be good to get back in there. I love games in Madison Square Garden. Uh, I remember, geez, I was telling, I think I was telling Mike this, Mike Rose this. Because, you know, we were talking about this a few weeks ago about they, they're going to go play in the Garden. I said, sure. He says, God, he says, he says, how about that? The Garden and the Palestra, he says, Steve, in the same year. He says, how cool is that? And I said, I said, you know what, Mike? I said, in 2016, I said, I did a game in Madison Square Garden with St. John's. Two weeks later, I did the Rose Bowl. And a week after that, I did the game of the Palestra. I said, how, how strong is that to do three games like that? I mean, how fortunate are you that you get to do something like that um, in venues like that? Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. So what's your game this week, by the way? This week I'm doing Central Columbia at Shemokin. Hmm. Okay, what kind of matchup's that? Um, not a great matchup. Both teams have kind of struggled this year, especially Central. They're still looking for their first win of the year. Um, but, you know, it, you never know when, when it comes to high school football. You, you know, well, strange well, things happen, Shemokin. so we'll have again, to see. Again, I don't, know, I don't know these things, so how good is Shemokin? Shemokin's 3-4 and four right now. Um, they, they're kind of an interesting team. They... They can put up points, but they haven't been quite able to put a lot of games together against some some of like the bigger boys of the of the area per se. But they're a good scrappy team, um, so this I, I can I, I kind of lean them right now. But of course, as the as the season goes on, you only got two more games left after this week. Central Columbia is going to be a pretty desperate team, but th- that's a young team. They really haven't moved the ball well this this entire year, for the most part. That's um, especially with passing the football. So I, I think that's going to pose a problem against Shabokin when when they're been a tough physical team like they always been. Shabokin's got a new head coach too, and Mark Persing, who's coached around the area before. Um, since Henry Hynoski's now moved on to his job at at Southern as a principal there at the high school. So right. yeah, so we'll see. Is the suit back this week? As far as I, I mean, he's been back in the office, but as far as on the air, I believe he's going to be doing it at Chickalemi and uh, uh, at Bloomsburg this week. Because we had a rating spike last week. Oh, my almighty! I heard. <laughs> wow, these guys sound great. Look at all. Is he on every week? slamming his fist out of the desk in the corner office. I can hear it from here. S-U-I-T that spells suit-da! It's already week eight of the high school football season. Yeah, it always goes by as fast. Yeah, but it's, it's October 10th, so the game's on the 13th. 
That's week eight. Jeez. I know college football starts a week later, and Penn State's had a bye week. But it's interesting that high school football will be done with week eight on Friday night. Penn State's playing week six the next day. Uh, next year, I think there's a possibility that next year's schedule with the 12-team playoff might start a week earlier. That which would be Saturday, August 24th. I mean, that might be a possibility. I, you know, I don't know if that's etched in stone yet or not. But but you might get but if you do that you might get a couple bye weeks in there it's one thing college football especially the Big Ten I wonder if they need to consider um, a second bye week to work around this California uh, Oregon Washington Northwest part of the country deal now Penn State oh good something else is dramatic happened out there yeah, you always settle down. All the garbage guys are coming by. It's Tuesday. All right? Hey, you. Hey. Hey, look. I, 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 predict that, I predict that you are so fierce that they won't come back for a week. They won't come back for a week. <laughs> oh, my almighty. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Welcome to the zoo. <laughs> Everybody's getting a taste of life here. Um, but Penn State is going to play a West Coast game in each of the five years that are scheduled right now. They're going to play two at USC, playing at USC in 24 and in 28, and then they have games at the Rose Bowl, at Autzen, and at Husky Stadium in the other years. They're going to play one game on the West Coast each of the five years. And I think I remember correctly all the five, all four of those teams are on Penn State schedule three times in the five years. Each one. So there's going to be a lot of travel built in for everybody just on the Penn State schedule to begin with. So how do you handle I'm really interested to see the sequencing of games. I think that's going to be the key will be the sequencing. Not the fact that you have to play them. But where do you put bye weeks? And then, you know, so that's going to be the puzzle right there. So they have the initial part of the puzzle done, which is who are you playing and the fact that you're going to play everybody home and away in a five-year period. Okay? I can't say enough good things about that. To me, that is what a conference should be. Now, it's, now here comes the tricky part. After doing that, which is not easy, after doing that, what – Will the sequencing of games be to then make you pull it off in such a way where it's palatable for everybody involved? 
right? And it's not just the sequencing of games from the Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA point of view. The sequencing of games has to work out for everybody else, too. How do you work out a West Coast trip and then suddenly you're playing? Are you playing the next week? And if so, are you playing at home or are you playing another road game? Now, see, there's a lot of little areas of thought that have to go into this to make sure the sequencing of games now makes sense. And that, that's one we have to see. Basketball, now they're having basketball media day today. They, you know, they will not put out the strength who you're playing home, who you're playing away. And, of course, then you can see, you know, which ones you're playing home and aways against and which one are single plays. They won't put that list out until the spring. And then the order with which they're played won't be put out probably. Now, this time, it was really late this time. This is the latest I've ever seen the Big Ten put out a basketball schedule. The latest. In terms of, like, what the dates in but they put out the dates first, then they put out the times. Okay. Well, it was late this year. I wonder how late it's going to be next year. Normally, we have that stuff done, and they put it out in August. Not this time. We'll take our final break. Uh, Matt's putting together his fantasy football team for the weekend. Um, you know, Matt, you can't just keep putting all the Eagles on there. Oh, my almighty! There's a big wide, you know, there's a big wide world out there. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK. Want to work for a stable yet growing company? Got it. Want to work for a family owned business with over 100 years' experience in taking care of customers and employees? Got it. Want to work for a leader in selling more cars and satisfying more customers? Got it. Who has all that? SMC Sunbury Motor Company is looking for technicians across all their departments. Whether you're an entry level technician, an experienced technician, or someone looking for a career change, Sunbury Motors would love to hear from you. They're looking for technicians for their quick lane, car and light truck service, heavy truck service, body shop, and frame and alignment division. You can apply online at sunburymotors.com, in person at our North 4th Street location, or call Todd at 570-286-7746. Your new career of working on Fords, Kias, Hyundais, Western Star trucks, plus anything that fits in the door and some things that don't. Join Sunbury Motors. Your new career is waiting for you. That disclaimer at the end where the guy talks like a thousand miles an hour, the suit excels at that. Have you noticed that? (laughs) Yes, I have. Yeah. Fast talk, double talk. He's really good at both. (laughs) S U I T. That spells suit. All right. Uh, wrapping up for today. We apologize the fact that it, you know, we had we started out the show uh, like we normally do, and then uh, a few minutes in, uh, everything went uh, bye bye. In fact, as I turn on my TV here, I have this great message here on my TV that tells me everything right now. I mean, just. 
please check your cables, see if they're tightly secured, and try again. If that doesn't work, give Xfinity a call. There's problems connecting with your internet. <laughs> yeah, I called. I got a robot. <laughs> you got more to give, Steve Jones. Oh, because I'm human, John. I'm human. The robot doesn't have to give anything. Just ask him, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the old fake, do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, like the robot's, like, typing. Yeah, sure it is. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. So we had to do the show this way. That's why we moved Neil Kuang to tomorrow. Tony Knopp on the show tomorrow. Yeah, we got a great lineup. Looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun tomorrow. And then Saturday's 3.30 with a 2 o'clock airtime and Eagle 107. Eagle 107, of course, uh, gets an off night tonight. And the Phillies are back on tomorrow and then Thursday in the playoffs. And uh, you already know that Penn State, Ohio State is a noon game. That will be on big noon kickoff on Fox. Big day today. Enjoy talking about it. You also got an explanation from everybody here about, like, if the FedEx truck goes by, the dog barks. If the garbage guys come by, the dog barks. And uh, when the washing machine recycles, the dog barks. <laughs> I always try to convince the dog that after he barks at the garbage guys, that she's so fierce that won't, they won't come back for a week. We'll talk to you tomorrow.